As I said before, it's uh it's uh up and uh stuck. <laughs> it's stuck. Yes, sir. I want to thank y'all for checking in. Uh this is episode five of the Realm Podcast. We here, baby. We here to stay. Look. I'm your host, Swan, and I got to the right of me. What's good, people? It's your boy Rod Dollar, Mr. McQueen, Mr. One and Done, Mr. Fresher than your baby daddy, Mr. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> That's a new one. That's a new one. It's uh, from the... Oh, from the 901 to the 718. I got my guy to the left of me. It's your boy Carl, a.k.a. Carl Navy. Allegedly, allegedly, allegedly. He's a photographer, y'all. Neighborhood proven, shooter, proven. right? <laughs> and today we have a special guest, uh, the one and only former Brooklyn Nets, New York legend. Look, I think personally, the first guy ever to put it on the map to have the natural fro with the shape up and let it grow. That's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. We got to give him his credit. We got to give him his flowers while it's here. But no further ado, Appreciate welcome that. my guy, Wilson Chandler, man. Wilson Chandler, thank you, bro. Man, no problem, no problem. Appreciate you guys for having me on, though. You know, I've uh, been checking out the pod. It's fine. All right. So, I really appreciate yes, you having me on, for sure. Thank you. We appreciate that. But we're going to have some fun today. Uh, it's going to be very organic. We're going to talk about his journey. We're going to go talk about balls, personal life, and also music, of course, you know? Um, but you know, without no further ado, well, just give us a little, you know, a little background check. Have these people tap in with you, man. Uh, I'm in China right now, so I'm reporting live from China. You know, uh, <laughs> nine, nine o'clock in the morning right now. Right. Uh, originally from Michigan, you know, uh, went to DePaul, got drafted by the Knicks. Uh, went to Denver for a long time. Was there, you know, uh, played, you know, uh, a little bit in Philly and the Clippers before I came over to Brooklyn, and then that was my last stand out in Brooklyn last year. Right, that's fire. I know you, you mentioned DePaul. How was that transition, you know, going to DePaul and then leaving early to go, you know, playing the A? How was that transition for you? And what drove you to that decision? It, it was, it was uh, for me, uh, coming, the only big difference was coming from a small town, going to a big city. You know, uh, I was only an hour and a half from Chicago, mm -hmm. so it wasn't bad like far as that, but just being at school with different races, you know, uh, people from different countries, you know, white people. I come from a small town. And it's like 99%, 98% black, you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So that was my first time really reacting with different races and shit like that. So that was the biggest, you know, adjustment for me. But other than that, though, uh, being a Midwest guy from Michigan, like Chicago was right up the street. So from that standpoint, it wasn't no big adjustment. It was just dealing with different races and shit like that and how to communicate and how to, you know what I'm saying, deal with that, you know. Uh, but uh, my decision to go there, you know, it was right up the street. My homeboy I played AU with from Detroit, he went there. So, you know, right. it was close. So that was like my my uh, biggest decision. I got a homeboy that's going there and shit right up the street. We got a couple of uh, cats from my neighborhood that went there that played ball there. So we had that that pipeline. That's what's up. Um, speaking about, you know, where you're from growing up and stuff, um, you've obviously been playing ball your whole life. Um, when did you, um, when did you for the first time, like, feel that jump in, like, competition and like talent wise, you know, 
Obviously, you know, you won Gatorade Player of the Year for the state of Michigan. So, you know, feel like in high school, clearly if you win the Gatorade Player of the Year, you know, you're finessing through high school basketball. You know, that's a breeze. Yeah. You know, when you get to, you know, you got to DePaul, um, we see you got um, made all-rookie team, um, second team Big East, which is actually a big deal because Big East Conference is always going to have, have some talent. Um, so with you leaving school after two years, clearly you, you know, the college ball level, you feel like you got acclimated to it or whatever, so you made the decision to go to the league. When was it when you decided, like, was it when you made it to the league when you was like, okay, like, this is when the talent gap is like, these players is nice. Was it when you got to the league? Was it when you spent that year in China? Because, you know, you did one year in China and almost average 30. Mm. You know what I'm saying? So <laughs> when was it for you when you was like, okay, like, this is like, you know, everybody is pretty much on the same playing level field as me? Man, it's crazy because even in high school, it wasn't no breeze for me. I was a late bloomer. Like, my 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 freshman year, I didn't even play on the team. I was uh, – not because I wasn't good enough to play on the team, but my grades was fucked up. So I was mm-hmm. in Indiana. I had went down to Indiana with my mom for a year, and I was down there, and I wasn't going to school much. So my grades was kind of fucked up. So I went back to Michigan my sophomore year, and I played on the team, but it was, like, kind of in and out. And then uh, that summer, I started playing, like, AAU, but it was, like, local. And, you know, um, so I was playing good on those. Uh, and then this big program, well, a bigger program out of Detroit came. It was like, man, we want you to come. They had Eric Devendorf at the time. They went to Syracuse. <laughs> Bucket. And I don't know if y'all seen him in high school. In high school, dog was cold. He was averaging like 30 in high school before he, before he left Michigan to go to uh, Oak Hill. Mm. So they had him. They had a couple dudes, you know what I'm saying, from like Saginaw, Flint, shit like that. So uh, once I started playing with them, going to the national tournaments, going down to mm-hmm. uh, Speeds, going to big time in Vegas and shit like that. Uh, the, the What's the big tournament? They used to be down in uh, Bob, Bob Givens, I think, uh, down in uh, North Carolina. Mm-hmm. So then I, I ended up getting invited to ABCD camp, shit like that. So I kind of went from being not known to like top 100 in like, uh, like a few months, like uh, uh, a few months, you know what That's I'm saying? Wild. So that shit happened that pretty fast. So then... Yeah, it happened fast. It went from my sophomore year to my junior year, and then um, it kind of went from there. Then I started getting like offers from like Michigan State, shit like that. And then I end up ultimately I end up picking uh, DePaul, even though my first my first mind was to go with Michigan State. That was my heart was, was right. with, uh, Michigan State, but I ended up going to DePaul. And then uh, when I got there, you know, we just had a team that, that played fast. You know, at the time, you know, I was athletic, so that would it suited my game. So we just played fast, and Big East was a good. A good conference. Like our team was solid, but we was in a good conference. So we played the Yukons, the Syracuse, the Georgetowns. You know, I had a good game. So um even with that though, like I made uh second team, uh the second team in Big East, but like I wasn't on no draft board. Okay. I wasn't first yeah. round, second round, my sophomore year. I was just so like dumb with school. I'm not a school guy, yeah. you know, and um I don't really share my personal business with everybody, but I have a attention span like mm. like shortage like you know i can't like, so i'm nice. in class i can't really, like pay attention for that long if it's boring to me i can't sit That's there it. and like deal with it so i was in school one day i was in class and i was sitting there and, like dog you know them days you wake up and a motherfucker can't say nothing to you everything they say to you just it's irritates the shit off. Yeah, like, i'm coming you know to class like, headphones like, it might be your girl right. it might be your mom it might be your dog but like you wake up that morning like dog stop fucking talking to me right now. Like, <laughs> i'm not in the mood so i was in class one morning and um, the teacher was talking. I was just sitting there like, damn, this motherfucker is getting on my last nerve. I could not deal with this shit. So I just kind of had like an outbreak. I just stood up like out of nowhere and like looked around. And my homeboy like, what the fuck is you doing? I'm like, man, I'm tired of this shit, man. Like, like I got I to gotta get out of here. I'm about to go crazy. Like, what? So I ended up, I, I left 
went to my room and I sat there for like about 10, 15 minutes. I'm like, man, I'm, I'm leaving school. Like I'm done with school. And when I, my people's first reaction to that was like, like, what are you going to do? Like, you're not on the draft board. You're not going to get drafted. Like, what are you going to do with your life? I'm like, I don't know. I'm going to figure it out once I get to that, that point. So I was at home. So I went home. I didn't even tell my grandma. No, that's what raised me. So I didn't even tell right. my grandma, my grandma, my grandfather raised me. I didn't tell them right away. So I'm just chilling. And my homeboy, my two homeboys, they had an apartment in a, an apartment complex. So I was over their crib down there every day. No furniture. <laughs> just <laughs> the trenches. Had one bean bag. <laughs> <laughs> dog had a beanbag and an Xbox and a TV. That's a perfect setup. Yeah, that's it. That's it. The more you need. That's all I need. Yeah, we sit there and play 2K all damn day. You know what I'm saying? Drink a little bit. Mess with a couple of chicks. So finally my AU coach like called me like, dog, you got to do something. You either got to go back to school or you got to put your name in the draft. I'm like, well, I'm not going back to school, so I'm putting my name in the draft. He's like, man, that's the dumbest thing you could possibly do. <laughs> You're not on the draft board. I don't like. I don't understand. I'm like, well, you got to trust in me. So. Believe me, so like that's what I'm doing. So everybody, you know what I'm saying, was like, you crazy, you stupid, not gonna happen. So I was down in Atlanta working out, getting ready for the draft. Uh, ended up getting hurt, so I didn't go to uh, pre-draft camp. Didn't work out for no teams. Oh, <laughs> Shit, you didn't work bad. out for no <laughs> teams at all. Word, that's no crazy. team. I just worked out for the Knicks. That was it. That Wait, so the only so, team you worked out for was for the Knicks, and that was it? Yeah. And I got hurt, you know what I'm saying? So shit going what, bad. Was that one you you did one workout and then that was it or Yeah, one workout, yeah. One workout with the Knicks, that was it. No other team, no second workout with the Knicks, no pre draft camp, no nothing. So no, was, not, not even the interview. That boy said trust so, in me. That's all he says. Yeah. Trust in me, <laughs> man. He, I, so I'm that's tough. There. And then uh so draft come, I ended up getting drafted, uh twenty three by the Knicks. So, you know, uh obviously worked out, but it it wasn't never a thing when I was in high school or I was in college where like, boy, you league. You know, niggas in the hood always like, boy, you league. But you know, your homeboy mm-hmm. gonna tell you better, tell you you better than Kobe. You know what right. I'm saying? But that's different. Mm-hmm. But like, realistically, like I wasn't on no draft boards. High school, I wasn't top t- top twenty, top five in the nation. You know what I mean? So it kind of happened fast from tenth grade to my second year in college. You know, went fast. Oh, yeah. Well, I'm glad. I'm glad you you helped me out a little bit. I'm glad you brought up Kobe. So I I want to know how was it <laughs> how was it playing in that game when uh Kobe L had sixty one, and do you have any great stories from Kobe? That would be amazing. Nah, it's that shit was the most surreal thing I ever seen. It's crazy because like every basketball player, whether he's great or not, is competitive. Everybody mm-hmm. playing in the wild right now is competitive. Every nigga who playing up in Harlem right now is competitive. Like, mm-hmm. but that was the first time after a game I just sit there. I sat there and I was with my homeboy from the neighborhood and we just looked at each other and just laughed. I was like, what the <laughs> fuck just happened? <laughs> uh so at that point I think that was my second year in the league. And uh we had just got Dan Tony as our coach. And um uh, I was coming off the bench. I was like our sixth man off the bench. And that was the first time I was like, damn, I don't know if I really want to go in this game right now. <laughs> <laughs> he started the game. 
He started the game off so hot, like the first few minutes of the game, and I'm just on the bench. I'm like kind of in the middle of the bench, and I'm just laid back, like damn. <laughs> don't don't oh. check me in. I'm good <laughs> because your time coming. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, facts. And uh, yeah, Tony, he looking down there. I'm kind of looking away. <laughs> so he like, <laughs> he like, what's the come on? So I check in. What's crazy? I check in. So shit going good. Like he's scoring, but it's it's slow. Like you know mm-hmm. what I mean? He got. 15 or whatever, when I check in, he probably scored like five more that quarter. And I get to cook it, right? Right. So I'm I'm killing. He's slowing down. So halftime come. Dan Tony, like, you starting. Third quarter, you know, he cooking, but not crazy. Not like the mm-hmm. first quarter. I'm still cooking. Fourth quarter come. <laughs> Different. Like, me in fourth quarter, dog. Dog just get the frying. <laughs> <laughs> Every day, step back, lay up, dunks, pump fake, reverse pivot. You know, classic Kobe. And that shit probably so unguardable, bro. Like, is it? It like, does it get to a point to where you like? Does it get to a point where you like? Nah, this shit is like. Just just hope he miss. Just hope he miss. You can only hope. I wish in my heart, I wish I was a dirty nigga because the only way you can defend yourself is you got you got to fight him at that point. (laughs) That's (laughs) crazy. You got to fight Kobe then. It's crazy because like he did a move one time. I never in the game like seen somebody do a move while I was guarding him. I was like, "What the fuck did he just do?" I looked at the ground like, "Oh, that was <laughs> it was like a double, like a double like pivot, whatever the fuck he did. It was crazy." But um, yeah, that 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 game was surreal, you know. And that, it's, it's crazy because that whole week was crazy because he came that was like a Monday or whatever, mm-hmm. and then we had LeBron coming that Wednesday. <laughs> That's tough. And then we had oh. big three. We had Boston big three coming. Mm. Kobe did the sixty. Damn. LeBron oh did like God. fifty. There and there with a triple double. And then yeah. Paul Pierce came in and got a game winner. On that at that side. point, That's at heavy. that point after Kobe, yeah. I'm telling, I'm telling physical therapy. I got shin splits or something because I see that lineup. I'm good. It's crazy. I was on the island the whole fourth quarter. Damn. That's fucking tough. Sheesh. But no, like Kobe, like he's my, he's my goat. Like I grew up. With Jordan, but I was mm-hmm. young. My grandma, he's a super bull Jordan fan. Like we in Michigan, we got WGN, so we oh, yeah, got every TV. Bulls. Yeah. Game. That was our that was our local channel, so we got every Bulls uh, Bulls game. Now on our side of the state, we wasn't that close to Detroit. Everybody was Bulls, Bears, Cubs fans instead of mm-hmm. Tigers, Lions, and uh, yeah, and Pistons. So we got every Bulls game. Grandma faithfully watched this this nigga every every time. But by the time I got to like high school, like Kobe was the guy. So you know, when you were in high school, junior high, like you know what I'm saying, that's who I grew up with. That was mm. my like my my goal. You know what I mean? So Kobe was my favorite player. You know, so that was the only player that can get me in the house to watch basketball. I sit there and watch. I like to be outside in the park. Yeah. Be on my homeboy crib. He was the only player like I go in the house and sit there and watch, like that's watch tough. a full game. That's dedication right there. And what were you about to mention, Carl? No, no, I was just saying we had that convo about how, like, when some players, uh, you know, when some teams come to play the Knicks, oh, they yeah. just bring that. Yeah, they bring that A plus game, and it was like you said, you had to. Oh, they. You had to check Kobe, then LeBron came, then the big three. Like, mm-hmm. is that was that like always a crazy thing? Because yeah, they're always a thing. Like everybody coming to the Garden to kill. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Everybody, not even just the superstars. You got players like. That's nice. You know what I'm saying? They might not be a superstar or all-star, but they nice. And they come into the garden to kill. They come to get buckets. That's tough. I mean, damn. Like, like Kevin Martin. 
Kevin Ooh. Martin was nice. Kevin Martin was a bucket. He just spoke about that too. He was just talking about too. They would come. They would come to the garden, you know what I'm saying, and get crazy, get busy. So you know, you had you had not just the superstars, the KDs, uh, and all them, mm-hmm. or the LeBrons. You had the Kevin Martins and dudes like that who got buckets, who came to get buckets in the garden. Speaking like, of everybody uh, wanted to, come. it's like it's like it's like street, it's like the rucker for street ball. Like everybody want to come to the method, yeah. you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Biggest stage. To the garden and get buckets. That's a good That's analogy fine. right there. That's fine. Um, I was watching an um, interview a few days ago. Um, it was Gilbert, Gilbert Arenas that I was talking. And he was speaking on a player um, that's going to be in the lead, in the draft this year, and um, he was just talking about how like regardless of like whatever wherever you fall in the draft, you need to go because his game translates directly into an NBA style of play. Um, I just kind of wanted to get your insight of like, do you believe that like some players they don't really benefit from playing like college ball because their style of play, their body size, or whatever, it's more suited towards like professional style. So how do you feel about that? Yeah, you know, college is like depending on what conference and what program you go to, it's kind of, it's a system, you know what I mean? Even though NBA is a system, but it's more uh, free flowing, you know? And mm-hmm. I, so I agree with that. You know, I didn't, I didn't see the interview. I, I don't know the player he was talking about, but I agree. Like if you got a chance like to go to a league, like man, for me, like skip college, you know what I'm saying? You can always go back to college and get a, get a degree if that's your mm-hmm. thing, get an education if that's your thing. But for sure. like, if you got a chance to go to the league, like I feel like go to the league. That's a fact. And most players it. are suited, you know what I'm saying, mm-hmm. suited for the NBA. Can you imagine, like, Lou Williams or Monte Ellis or, you know, yeah. Kobe, you know what I'm saying? And the, I mean, they would kill it, but, you know what I mean, mm-hmm. like, they gave more suited for the league, like Melo and fact, KD. Yeah. Like, even though it was cold in college, but, like, the NBA is more is more for them. Like, you know what I mean? That's a fact. And then, you know, you being on the Knicks, how do you feel the Knicks would have been different um, if Melo didn't get traded and just waited to a free agency, because you still would have been there. And I spoke to some homies, and they said yeah. that's a certified I, ring. Yeah, I, I don't. I can't say it's a certified ring, but at that time, like, because you didn't have like multiple superstars on like a lot of mm-hmm. teams. You only had a couple. You know what I'm saying? You had right. Miami, you had Boston, but for the most part, you had young superstars on the team like OKC and stuff like that. But right. you didn't have what you have now, like you know, Katie Kyrie. Anthony Davis, LeBron, like you didn't have multiple teams like that at the time, so it definitely would have put us in like contention at least, you know what I mean? Mm. And you never know what happened, you know, if Melo come that summer, you know what I'm saying, you got those players that's already there, you might attract another star too, you never know what might happen at that time, you know what I'm saying? Then we had, Amari was in his prime at that time too, he was getting Mm -hmm. buckets, he had the city unlocked before Melo came. so I always look at that too. I still hate Melo to this day. <laughs> now I'm just I'm just playing with yeah. it. Now, um, that 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 that's that's the thing I think about a lot. You know that could have been that could have been something because everybody at that time, even the role players, was like playing mm-hmm. amazing. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah, definitely. Um, I wanted to say like, what drove you to your decision not to play in Orlando? Uh, I think it was a few a few different things. You know, obviously. Uh, being unaware of COVID, you know, and what the, mm. the long-term effects of that was, you know. Um, and by the way, like, the NBA definitely proved me wrong. They did a good job with that. Right. You know, um, they, did, they did a great job with that, so definitely got to take a hats off to them. But uh, just being unaware, you know, uh, of the long-term with, uh, with COVID. Um, also, with everything going on in the, in the black communities, you know, with the police mm. violence and, right. you know, and um, – Young young people getting killed, women and men. You know, uh, I think that that played a big part. I, I didn't feel like I needed to be down there while like people were getting killed in our neighborhoods. And I know people, men getting killed. You right. know what I'm saying by yeah. the police and by 
you know, uh, um, other races, you know, but at that time, you know, with COVID, every, the world stopped. So it was like right there in front of your face, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Every day. So I felt like with all that going on, I didn't feel comfortable being down there, you know, uh, being comfortable, being in the bubble, being sheltered Why, you know, everybody else in the streets, you know what I'm saying, playing their part, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying, for, for our culture and our people. I mean, so I just, that was a big reason too. And then just, you know, being at home so long with my family, it's been a long time since I sat there with my family that long too. I got comfortable being there with my family too. So I'm like, Mm -hmm. man, I don't really want to leave my kids right now with Mm -hmm. everything going on. That's respect. That's respect. Definitely respect. And I hear from a lot of NBA players also, like you spend more time with your with your teammates than you do with your family. So I think that time, like for you to get that little three, six month period, just spend some time with them is beneficial. Now, that's a fact. And then, you know, I had, um, before I got to Brooklyn, when I was in Philly, I tore my uh, my quad muscles. So I mm-hmm. dealt with that the whole season. I was with Philly and uh, the Clippers. And um, I actually failed a physical to go to another team before Brooklyn. Mm-hmm. And Brooklyn, you know, took me, you know, anyway. So I rehab my quad and stuff like that. So I, I battled with that for a long time, too. And I think that shit had my mental kind of, like, all over the place. Right. You know, uh, with like far as how it impacted my game, not being able to be explosive and stuff like that. So I think I needed that time off, you know, mentally also, you know what I mean? Right. Yeah. Cause I was still and, dealing with that. And then speaking on the bubble, how do you feel about that idea? Like, do you think it was a good idea to, you know, competition wise or, you know, just like surfacing the game from a different standpoint, having no fans? How did you feel about that idea? Uh, I mean, it sounds weird, like when you think about it, just because you're so used to playing in front of crowds, like mm-hmm. in the league. But when you think about it, like in the summertime, like guys is at UCLA, everybody, you know, in, in LA mm-hmm. playing, people in uh, Lifetime Fitness playing in New York, like without fans. <laughs> right. We grew up playing without fans, so you know, like from a from a hoop standpoint, like people gonna go out and play. You know, I think from a from a like mental edge standpoint like having mm-hmm. your home crowd in a game like that part is you know it's the hardest thing but like mm-hmm. as far as hoop like people can go out there and hoop it's gonna be they're gonna be comfortable they're gonna play it's gonna be some of the best the best basketball because everybody comfortable they just strictly just there to hoop that's it mm-hmm. so i'll be trying to tell you Carl, so like, think, i'm gonna you know come I mean? and hoop either way like I'm gonna come and hoop either way. Yeah. Like, we don't need people. In, like I'm gonna come there. I'm gonna bust your ass either way. He, yeah, he, I, I think it. I think it. I think it shine light too on like a lot of players that didn't get a lot of credit. You know, before mm-hmm. like you know, like a Jimmy Butler, like the way he was killing. Like people act surprised that like he played that good. Nah, though, like, this is dog, dog been killing for years. Yeah, right. it's normal. You know what I mean? But since like the whole COVID shit was going on, and like everybody was waiting for basketball to come back and was watching basketball, like. It shine light on like a lot of players, mm-hmm. you know, that that didn't get credit before that should that should have been getting credit. You know what I mean? Yeah, for sure. I think you, it's good for like those uh, players too. Do you feel like um, it kind of changed the the pressure level for some people? Because I feel like we saw some people, like you said, it kind of shine light on some players. But do you think it just kind of took pressure off of some players? I feel like I even saw some players. Not I don't want to say decline, but maybe they needed the crowd behind them. Like, I feel like it kind of changed in both aspects. I don't know. Uh, Yeah, for sure. Definitely. Uh, Some players definitely feed off the crowd. And I think too, like I might not have been the only player that didn't want to go down. And I think it was some players that was there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That they, they heart might not have been in it. They mind mm, might not right. have been in it. You know what I mean? I think like that probably played a part. Cause you know, when you go do something, your heart not really in it. 
Like, even if you want to give it your all, like it just right. the, the universe don't work like that, you know. Yeah. I was saying, how was your first year as a net? Shit was dope, you know. Like they 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 a great organization, you know. Uh, from from my point of view, you know, what I mean, just making sure you got all the little things, you know, you need how they treat, like you know, what I'm saying, like the 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 lowest person to the highest person, and everybody's like pretty much equal. Um, like they made it feel like home for me, you know. Uh, they was very transparent, you know, the way they uh, handle business, you know, uh, just the stuff they did for my family. Like they'll make sure like my grandmother and my kids had stuff like, you know what I mean? Gear and stuff like that, you That's know, fine. and just That's the way they handle things. So like, it was, for me, it was comfortable. It was, it was like, it was like home, you know what I mean? And then like the players on the team was cool as hell. So, you know what I mean? Just all the way around, like shit was cool. So I had a, I had a great time, a great experience. And I, I feel like you're already used to uh, New York, but like how's, how do you oh, feel yeah, about exactly. New York? Yeah, 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 like do you you? Man, I'm York, quite sure you fucking. New York, with it. Is, yeah, what heavy, like super heavy. Even when I left um, the Knicks, like I was always in New York after, like in the summers and the off season, like always in New York. Like New York is like my favorite city, like hands down, no place close Tough. Like, at all. Tough. Like, we gotta drop a bomb. Gotta drop a bomb for that. The thing I love about New York, people, it's like you could be in five, six, seven different cities, and you ain't even left Manhattan yet. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, that's you could crazy. be Tribeca, you could be Tribeca, Midtown, Harlem, Washington Heights, all that shit. You know what I'm saying? Spanish right. Harlem, wherever you at, you know what I'm saying? You ain't even left Manhattan yet. You ain't even got to Queens, you know what I'm saying? Right. You ain't got to Astoria, Jamaica, Queens, Queens Village. You ain't even got to Brooklyn yet, you know what I'm right. saying? Brownsville, Bed-Stuy, right. Williamsburg. You know Will tapped like, in. Right. Will tapped in. Yeah, no, so. I'm, I'm, <laughs> like I love New York, so I'm going. Like I'm experiencing everywhere. You know what I'm saying? Like when I was right. when I was with the Knicks, like because I was up like that way by you know what I'm saying like the Bronx. So I would go to like chill. I'll go like the Kiss, you know, them block and then up in Yo. I go hang over there. I go to Mount Vernon and go. You know what I'm saying? Go eat. You know what I'm saying? I go to Fordham Road, get out, walk around. Like, it was uptown. So uptown. Like, uptown hey. like you know what I'm saying? I go <laughs> to Co-op City. I go to these different places, you know what I'm saying? When I was like, when I was there, cause I was so young, so I, I want to see, you know, right. so I want to mm. see what I read about. I want to see what I, I seen on these documentaries. So I'm going to all these different neighborhoods, you know what I'm saying? I'm going to Harlem, up the hill, down the hill, That's all that tough, shit. So I'm going to see, you know what I'm saying? I want to see, I want to see the different cultures. I want to see, you know what I'm saying? How they how they live, you know what I'm saying? How they interact, what they doing. So like New York played a big part of me, like growing, like mentally, uh, mm. like. Just, just seeing, you know, what I'm saying how people live and how they do things, like and like the culture is so rich, you know what I mean. So it, it rub off on you. Like before that, you know, I was from the Midwest. Like our fashion is different. Like you know, what I'm saying like it's like back then, anyways. I grew <laughs> yeah. up like like my uncles and they wore Carhartt Dickies, Hellies, mm, you know, what I'm saying right. shit like that. When I got to New York, it was different. Like they was ahead. You know what I'm saying like they was ahead of the game. So whatever they had on there, like we got. Five years later, you know what I'm saying? Six years later. Yeah. This be this pre-social media, you know what I'm saying? So it's like you had to know. If you knew, you knew. Yeah. It's crazy. It came back around though. Carhartt. I mean, I, I fuck with Carhartt Heavy. I know you yeah, fuck I with fuck Carhartt. With heavy, yeah. yeah definitely. Yeah, that's my favorite. That's my favorite shit. Like mm -hmm. I never stopped wearing it just because I'm, you know, like in the Midwest, that's, that's what we do. But you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. so, that's fine. Right. Facts. You know, I used to see Will come to the game every game is just Dickies or Carhartt. You probably got like 50 outfits in the closet the same. Yeah, that's a fact. Fire. Um, so Wilson, who um who do you think gave you the best advice um when you got into the league, whether it was like a coach, veteran player, you know, who do you think gave you the best advice, you know, as far as like being successful in the league? Uh I would say the the 
it was the most simple, but the best advice was from Isaiah Thomas. You know, he called me in his office one time after they drafted me. You know, uh, I ain't do shit. You know, he just wanted to talk to me because I was you know, young. And he was like, uh, he was the head coach and the president at the time, too. So he called me in his office and he was just like, you know, we had to talk for like an hour. But at one point he was just like, you know, uh, you know, you know, you're going to have people along the way that's going to do that's that's going to want to do everything you do. Pretty much like they want to live the life you live. They want to eat where you eat. They want to sleep where you sleep. They want to do everything you're doing, but they're not, they not here with you right now. Mm-hmm. They're not going to be here. You know, so they want they want to get all the benefits, but they're not gonna be here. You know what I mean? So I think at that time, you know, when you come in the league, you know, you want all your homeboys, all your mm-hmm. your family, like to experience the, the stuff you experienced because we never seen it, we never experienced it, never had it. You know, what I'm saying never like coming where I come from, you like you never knew like somebody personally that had it. You know what I mean? So you never seen it. We don't even know how to act. You know, what I'm saying with it. And, you know what I'm saying? I think that was the biggest advice when I really sat down after the fact. Like, he, when he told me, I was like, whatever, you know what I'm saying? Like, I didn't take it in. But right. after I sat down, after a few years, after I did all the dumb shit, after I partied and did all this shit with my homeboys. And, like, it was one day, I think, man, I was, we was practicing. It was an early-ass practice, and I think I went out the night before. And we had an early practice. And I got up, and I was like, fuck, I had a hangover. I'm like, shit. It today. I got up. You know, and I'm walking over my homeboys. I'm walking over chicks. But I'm the only nigga up. You know what I'm saying? It's like yeah. 7, 8 in the morning. I'm the only nigga up. I'm going to get ready and go to practice. I don't even want to go. You know what I mean? So I'm like, damn, man. Like, shit got to like, change. I was on the yeah. way to the, the practice. So I'm sitting there thinking, like, damn, that's what this nigga was talking about right here. Mm. Damn. Like, you know tough. what I'm saying? It had me kind of frustrated. I'm like, damn. Like, yeah. I'm the only nigga getting up that's gonna go grind right now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Everybody like, out. Everybody get up. Everybody get the fuck out it's right now. Like, yeah, right. <laughs> it's kinda like you had your foot in both doors too. It's like, you know, I wanna I wanna hang with my mans, but then it's like at the same time, you know, I got I got my career and I gotta mm-hmm. like be on point and focus and you know, it's like you yeah, combining the fact. lives, so it's it's a balance. Yeah, right. that's a fact. Now, I read some shit one time when uh, Kendrick was talking about like survivor's guilt. You know what I'm saying? I think sometimes like a lot of people like coming from different neighborhoods that we come from be going through that because you don't want to be the, the person that people saying like, oh, he don't give a fuck about the hood. He don't, he don't give back. He don't do this. Mm-hmm. He not, you know what I'm saying? He's not a real nigga. All the stuff that, you know what I'm saying, we we take, you know what I'm saying, from people, you know, and we don't want that, that stigma on us. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So I think it's part of that too. So what was your most uh, memorable moment as an NBA player uh, and your biggest achievement in general? I think it's both. I think getting drafted for me, just not, you know what I'm saying, being like the person like that was on a draft board, you know what I'm saying, that was like supposed to be there, you know what I mean? Like obviously like I was supposed to be there, that was God's plan, I made it, you know what I'm saying? Right. But, you know what I'm saying, like when you look on paper, you know what I'm saying, I wasn't supposed to be there. So I think just being drafted was definitely like, my most memorable moment and my biggest accomplishment, you know, because I never won a ring. I never, you know, made an all-star game and nothing like that. So I, I would say that in itself is both, like the answer both. Okay. And then right now, I know you're currently in China and then you spent some time in China yes. also. Um, how has it changed your outlook, you know, on China and America within the same context? Man, uh, my, you know, like, even with this, like, I got a lot of, I think I raised a lot of eyebrows, like, like, why are you going to China? Like, you know, you could have won, could have stayed, you know what I'm saying, possibly won the ring, 
you know what I'm saying, with the Nets, you know, right. with KD and Kyrie both being healthy and having, like, Karras and Spencer and all the other guys, you know, on the team. But, you know, I just needed – I felt like I needed a change, you know what I mean? I think I needed, you know what I'm saying, a peace of mind, to, you know, get away. Mm-hmm. You know, and um, being here make you appreciate this because it's, it's a different grind in the, the NBA, you know what I mean? It's not – it's not easy as far as competition, you know what I'm saying, but, like, it's harder – I mean, it's not hard as far as competition, but it's not a. It's you know, it's harder like lifestyle wise, you know, okay. uh, make you appreciate a lot of stuff that we have over there that we take for granted, like a lot of small things. So I think like I just needed that change of environment and that change, you know, uh, uh, mentally, you know, just the 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 find peace within myself, you know, um, and just get away and be here and just focus on being happy and and being happy with playing basketball. You know? mm-hmm. just, Loving the sport, you know what I'm saying? Not playing for a paycheck, not playing for family, not playing for, you know, fans and stuff like that. So I think that was the the, the biggest thing for me, you know. Um, and, I, I, like, I'm honestly, like, happy with my decision. Like, ever since I've been here, you know what I'm mm-hmm. saying, I've been cool, I've been chilling. Like, everybody, like, you bored? Like, no, I'm good. Like, <laughs> right. No chicks, I'm good. Like, no <laughs> this, I'm good, you know what I mean? So I think, you know, uh, I, it was something I, that I needed personally, you know. And I All know right. a lot of people may not, you know, understand that. Because, you know, when you – when you come from like certain places and you uh, be around certain people, like when you don't have shit, it's hard to explain to somebody that never had it. You know what I'm saying? Like right. why this and why that? Why you going through this and why you feel like this about something? They never had it. And I've been I've been blessed to be on both sides, so I understand where they coming from. Like you can't tell somebody who don't have a million dollars, who don't have no money at all, at all, it's ha- to have all these problems coming from not having money and not having the resources to somebody who has four or five million dollars or even a million dollars that they having problems you know they don't mm-hmm. understand it because all their problems come from not having money so mm-hmm. i've been on both sides where you know what i'm saying like i had no money and i had money and i had problems on both sides so it was just kind of like finding like a, a balance with it yourself so mm-hmm. true. that's the, the biggest thing for me that's tough. I'm, mm-hmm. you, you you spoke about money. You know, you you coming into the league. You know, you're enjoying yourself. You're in New yeah. York. You're buying things. You're having fun. What is your best purchase? And what is your silliest purchase? Like, why the fuck did I just do this? Like, uh, I think my best purchase is obviously a home. You know what I'm saying? I never. Right. You know what I'm saying as a when you have a home. You know what I mean? That's everything. That's like a home base for you, your kids, your homies to come kick it. You know what I'm saying? Like stuff like that. So. Buying a home is definitely the best purchase. The dumbest thing I ever done, <laughs> man. It's, it's so many, but <laughs> always I don't know. Always the, the stories like I went and bought like bottles of Cristal. And, like I just went and got a whole bunch of like, little homies from my neighborhood. We just rode around on bikes, like you know, saying through different <laughs> neighborhoods and the projects in my in my hometown. We were just drinking Cristal, and I was at that time. I think I was twenty twenty one. So they had neighbors like. Anywhere from twenty one to like seventeen, sixteen. So it was like Oh, that's fire. It's like ten or twelve it's like ten, twelve of us just riding bikes and drinking crystal all night, like literally from like <laughs> eight PM to like four in the morning, stopping in different neighborhoods, posting up oh, that's probably one of the dumbest things. I don't even know why I even did why that. Why you shit. did that shit. <laughs> to be honest though, if that's one of the dumbest things you've done, you've been pretty sensible with your brain. Yeah, right. That's not a bad like you bought bottles of crystal, <laughs> no, I mean, bring it back I've to the done, hood. No, I I've done dumber. <laughs> stuff, stuff, stuff that I, I probably should say on here. Oh yeah, yeah we gonna nah. keep it low, man. Keep yeah, it low. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, just you know, paying respect. You know, what I'm saying rest in peace to Nip. Um, how did you and Nipsey? Yeah. Uh, how did y'all become friends? And you know, what did you take from you know, what I'm saying that friendship as far as like your mentality, how you live your life. You know, how, what did you, what did you yeah. take from that friendship? Uh, 
I, I actually met Nip. Um, we had a mutual friend, and my homeboy, like, he just, like, you know, he a people person, you know what I mean? And I think he just took a liking to Nip as a person because he he a type of person, he hang with you and don't know nothing about you, like, as far as, like, what you do for work. Like, you know what I'm saying? He might know you a basketball player, but he might not be a fan of basketball. He, he don't know your stats. Mm. He don't know what team you play for. And the same <laughs> thing with rappers. Like, All right. He was hanging with Nip, and he didn't even listen to Nip music. This was, like, uh, 2011, 12, around that time. Maybe even before then, but at least 2011, 12. Mm. Um, and he didn't even listen to Nip music. So when he had him on the block, I texted my homeboy, like, damn. Like, that's what's up, like Nip. Like I'm like he cold. He like oh he cold like that. I'm like yeah he nice. Like, <laughs> he he listen to one song. I'm like he nice, bro. Tell you he go he gonna be nice. Uh, so that was my first introduction to him. But uh, on a personal level, it wasn't until like a few years ago. You know what I mean? That, you know we kind of got close. And uh, when I and then when I end up getting uh, traded to the Clippers, obviously you know him being in L. A. Right. You know what I'm saying? We spent a lot of time. But it was a short time because it was like I got there, um, whatever the deadline was, and then uh, rest in peace, he passed. You know what I'm mm -hmm. saying? Like, damn near, like right after that, you know what I'm saying? But I, I had a chance, you know what I'm saying, go to the studio with him a few times, talk to him, sit there for hours, talk to him. Uh, one day, you know what I'm saying, I was riding with him, you know what I'm saying, was riding in this neighborhood. He was telling me old stories. I got to this person over here, this happened over here, mm -hmm. just giving me the whole history. Then we end up going to his daughter's uh, recital at her school, which is right, like, Man, like two minutes from where uh, he got killed, that you know what I mean. So um, I spent a lot of time with him uh, in that that short period of time, and uh, just you know him. You know the thing that impressed me the most, you know what I mean, about him. We was eating one day, um, and he was just talking about his family, like how he had to go take his family to eat. You know what I'm saying? After you know what I'm saying, so he ain't gonna eat that much. And he was just talking about um, Lawrence oldest child that she had with um you know uh, wayne or whatever mm -hmm. but the way that he spoke about him you would thought you would think that was his son right mm -hmm. you know he spoke so highly of him i didn't even know i didn't even realize he wasn't even talking about his kid until like he said like his name you know whatever he was just right. saying how smart he was and how bright he was and how you know what i'm saying like he needed him to do uh x y and z and how proud he was of him you know what i'm saying so I, that was that was one of the things i looked at him like damn that's crazy because you really you rarely like see like you always see like women like take care of uh, a man's other child. Right. You never really see it too much the other way around. Sometimes you know just the way he spoke about him and he wasn't around. She wasn't around. You know what I mean? So that was the thing I looked at. Like damn, he really like a real person. You know what I'm saying? A genuine person. You know what I mean? But just the way he lived his life, the way you know he stood up for his people, the way he wanted to bring jobs and bring equity into back into South Central and. Mm -hmm. You know, the stuff that he had been through that's relatable and the stuff that he wanted to do, you know what I'm saying, on a bigger scale to get his people out of, you know what I'm saying, poverty, and, um, own their own businesses and employ their own people. And just, you know, even the music is owning your own masters and just uh, each one teach one for the uh, younger generation coming up. So, you know what I mean? Yeah, that's he dope. was definitely inspirational, like all the way across the board, whether it was a family man, businessman, or just somebody in the neighborhood you can relate to that came from nothing, you know, who was trying to like give back. And I think, you know, it's it's frustrating like the way you get killed, you know what I'm saying? All the stuff you want to do from your neighborhood, being that big of a figure, still being in your neighborhood, you know what I'm saying, to get to get killed in your neighborhood, you know what I'm saying? I think that's the saddest part, you know, the most mm -hmm. frustrating part about it, you know what I mean? A person who's coming back, you know what I'm saying? Because we always get on the people who don't come back. We always right. like, man, this yeah. nigga, 
and you know what I'm saying? But he was a person that was there that you could reach out and touch, you know what I'm saying? And at that time, you know what I'm saying, he was on the way to being a star. Right, he was right yeah. there. Yeah, definitely. He was definitely right That's there. That's his takeoff. Definitely his takeoff, yeah. But yeah. Um I mean, you know, just to like switch switch up the switch up the vibe. Um I was just kinda go go into your sneaker game because I seen that you like you definitely a sneakerhead. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you got a bunch of kicks you fuck with. Um I was gonna say yeah. if you had if you had to pick like one pair of kicks, like favorite all time, like whether it's Nikes, Jordans, what would you pick? Like if you had one pair, you had to rock. Damn, one pair. Let's give them. Let's give them three. Let's give three. Them three. We give you a little rotation. I give you top three. Rotation. Yeah. Three rotation. Five. Top five. That's Maybe. OD. You can do three or five. Three five. five. You can do three or five. Do what you feel comfortable. <laughs> do what you feel comfortable doing. Uh, I mean, I'm gonna go forces. You know, what I mean, like Air Force One. Like, okay. Right. Every day. What's crazy? Because I love white forces, and I know everybody on social media got this thing with black forces. I know you're not. Oh, I love black forces. Black forces is tough. Forces, I like black forces more than I like white forces. It's crazy. I like both, but I'm, I like black Will forces. Will is dangerous. You know what it is? Yeah. It, it's, it, it's, it's such a hard uh, topic for New York people. Well, I don't know about where you from, bro, but nah. like here, you for feel me? It's, it's, it's a tough convo. It might be a Detroit thing. Yeah, yeah. I no, think, definitely. I think, everywhere yeah. Is a t- I think everywhere is a tough combo, but like people just don't really like <laughs> black forces or associate nah, with black forces. He said, yo, he said, well, he said you dangerous, bro. He said, <laughs> yeah, we're yeah. dangerous. Yeah. <laughs> he got the black forces <laughs> on. Yeah, black forces, but I'll fuck with black forces. But uh, other than that, though, like uh, Jordan Forrest is one, my favorite. Jordan, okay, Jordan that's a solid. Which colorway? Sure. And then uh, colorway out, man, the cement, the white cement, or the bread. Mm-hmm. Okay. You know what I'm okay. saying? Okay. I like, yeah. I like. I like the original colorways. You know, I don't really get too much. Every now and then, some new shit that come out, like a new colorway that I fuck with. But I like the original colorways. Right? Same, yeah. Definitely. And then uh, Jordan Sixes, like the infrared Sixes. Okay. Like Kinda those nice. Sixes hard. Like, yeah, that's right. I love, I love them. And then uh, really, to be honest, I love Fives, bro. Like people like, really don't fuck with Fives. I like, I like Jordan Fives. Now Fives are definitely like, you know, out I there. Think, like, yeah, like. Like me, like Jordan Levens to me is overrated. Like I like them, but I'm like they not just like crazy like people. Yeah, make they too the yeah, they, they get a lot. They get a lot. I like of four, high four fives and yeah. sixes, dog. I like on the on on some original shit. Okay. That's what's up? Mm-hmm. That's what's up? He said four, five, but yeah, and sixes, but we can't forget the. They're my, they're my favorite Jordans. <laughs> Those three right there. Four is my favorite. Then sixes and fives. Okay, which fives? By the way. Uh. Oh, the fire reds for sure. Fire okay. reds. Okay, yeah, he going straight OG yeah. with it. I'm definitely yeah. picking metallic or fire red. One of those. I might yeah. have to go with the metallics like too. Yeah, you can't go wrong with either one of those. But yeah, like, definitely. That's a fact. Right, but let's let's not forget. He's definitely said the black force. <laughs> He's definitely tapping on black force. You're not going to say the four, five, and the sixes. Oh man, you definitely said the black force. I'm gonna yeah. let you live with that one. Yeah, <laughs> I'm I'm a, man, I love black force. I, I fuck with white forces too, but black forces my shit, low key. Right, you got to pay with you in China right now. Yeah, <laughs> dangerous. <laughs> they better watch out out there. Yeah. Every every all the shit I just named, I got a pair. I got a, I got a pair of infrared sixes with me. I got a pair of uh, fire red fives. I got the bread okay. fours, cement fours, and I got the black forces. Right. <laughs> Do you still collect, or you feel like you know I got enough? I'm gonna uh, just chill I collect, for now. I collect on the lower on the lower scale now. Like I'm just buying shit that I'm actually gonna wear. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Okay. I just had a bunch of shit like just cause you know the name and. You know what I'm saying? I know I was going to be at the resale later. You know what I'm saying? Now, like, I'm older. Okay. It's like strictly shit I wear. Yeah, man. Right. Yeah. Like, I sold that. I had a collection before I sold all that shit to Riff in LA. 
That's fire. And how, how many how many kicks you think that was when you sold it to Riff? Just like an estimate. Man, I don't. It wasn't crazy. But it was just like what it was. It was like a lot of OGs, like original, like from the nineties. Like you know what I'm saying? Shit. Like that. It was like probably like six hundred something. What I'm saying is, it's crazy for, you know what I'm saying, to me and my mom, but now when you see guys like oh, yeah, shoe collections, it be in the yeah. thousands, you know what I mean? Yeah, so that's yeah, what yeah, I'm saying from that standpoint. 600 is crazy for me. Anything right. over 100 is crazy for me, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. But like now when you see like these sneaker, uh, like these sneaker guys, like uh, fucking uh, my man, Dallas PJ Tucker, like, yeah. yeah, PJ Tucker, his yeah. shit is like bananas. Going crazy. Yeah, his collection crazy. Yeah, his collection yeah. is definitely tough. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, you know, DeMar Rose and like, like these niggas, like, collection is crazy. That's a Kobe guy right there. Do you feel like you was, uh, at, at a point, do you feel like you were up there in terms of sneakers, like, your sneaker collection? Like, do you feel like you might be top five? I, I think I think early I think early on, before it got too crazy, I was up there, but I think they, like, they surpassed me, like, lapped me a few times. Like, Damn. I think I was just, like, kind of, like, one of the like the first ones, like not the first, but like you know, what I'm saying one of the first guys that that had like a that cared about a sneaker collection on the on a higher level. All right, and we've All been right. talking about basketball. We got into your personal life. What do you see yourself doing after basketball? When it's all said and done, when you hang it up, what do you see yourself doing? Man, that's like the big question. I think about that shit every day. You know what yeah. I mean? I don't know. You know what I mean? I don't think I'm gonna be a person that's gonna be able to sit there and just chill and retire. Right. Mm-hmm. So, um, I don't know. Like right now, I've been uh, I've been dabbling in the cannabis industry. So that's what okay. I'm doing right now, cannabis. You know, um, so that's probably like my biggest thing outside of basketball is the cannabis. So it's probably gonna be something with that. That's right. definitely gonna that's be a right. move in a couple of years right. for sure. Yeah. For sure. And was that something you just you just took on within yourself, or a couple of homies, or somebody put you onto it? Nah. So what happened? It was a long, when I was in when I was in Denver. You know. Um, I played, um, I was there with Al Harrington. Okay. You know, oh, yeah. Got, I don't know if no, he, he tapped in. Oh, yeah. Yeah, 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 right mm-hmm. yeah. So he, he was, he was, he had this idea he wanted to start a Biola, but it wasn't Biola yet. It was like, I want to get into weed. Mm-hmm. So I'm thinking, <laughs> we sitting outside the four, uh, the four Seasons Hotel. I had just got to Denver not too long uh, before that. And he was like, I want to get into weed. And I was like, he like, we're going to do it, whatever. You know what I'm saying? I'm just getting like 20000 for my close homeboys. You know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? The piece. And we're gonna make it work. So I'm thinking, like in my head, I'm sitting there, like, man, this shit is not gonna work. <laughs> yeah. We black people, that shit, right. is not that shit don't work. sound this good. Nigga <laughs> tripping. I'm like, but you know, it's like at that time, you know, what I'm saying for the amount, the amount of money I was making, twenty thousand, I just gave it to him because he's my homeboy. Right. So boom, that ended up working in, in uh, Denver. So one day he was talking about like, man, we want to, you know, what I'm saying the Michigan market is going crazy. So I'm like, you ain't going to Michigan without me. Now where I'm from, so. You know, they end up getting a spot out there that I invested in, you know, um, a grow house. So I was thinking in my mind, I'm thinking like, shit, we got to grow. I go tell some of my homeboys, like, then y'all mm-hmm. niggas get a dispensary. Boom, y'all can get weed from me. Now y'all entrepreneurs. But you know how your homeboys is. Yeah, I got you, bro. Talking yeah. slow. They, they were dragging their feet. So I'm thinking in my head, like, shit, well, I'm going to get me a dispensary there. You know Straight what I'm saying? Up. And sell my own product, so I ended up uh, applying for a dispensary in my uh, in my neighborhood uh, and getting that license. You know what I mean? So, you know, got a piece of a grow in Detroit with, uh, with Viola, and then got that's a big. dispensary in my neighborhood. So, you know what I mean? That's 
We got to take a, a trip to Michigan. You know? Long story short, you know what I'm saying? That's that's what it is. You know what I'm saying? And then just expand from there. That's right. Sounds like a trip to me. How was that process? Like like actually getting you know approved for it and. No, I mean, like, man, it's a it's a long ass process. Like you know, what I'm saying, especially in cities like you know, what I'm saying like Detroit and in my hometown, like just like city that's kind of like been in poverty for so long. There's so much going on. Like it's a lot of shit you gotta go through. You know, what I'm saying every step is a process. You know, what I'm saying every step is paperwork. Every step is having somebody come out and inspect it. We had a we had a thing where in Detroit it was like a gang squad was like investigating like a murder or some shit and they were saying like it was a dead body in the river because all the grows on the, on the river or whatever and you know what it really what it was they seen a bunch of black people going in in and out mm. of a big building you know what i'm saying right. mm. uh, of a established building and they wanted to see what it was so when they mm. went in there when they raided it you know what i'm saying you can google it, it, it you can like google a million dollar uh Marijuana bus in Detroit to pop up, so they raided it. Damn. And I was in Denver, I think, at the time still, and they raided it. They took everybody to jail. Everybody that worked there, like the the lady who was running it, over over overseeing it, mm-hmm. she came with the paperwork and was showing them, like we legal, we legal. They slapped it out of hand, handcuffed uh, everybody, every single person in there, froze all the accounts, took all the weed out, took all the equipment out. You know what I'm saying? Took everything. So. We bonded them out, you know, we going back and forth with court, you know what I'm saying, with them. We ended up, we ended up winning. We ended up winning the case, obviously, because we was legal right. and one is gang squad. It wasn't even, like, they supposed Narcotics, to be investigating right. murders and gang shit. They weren't even supposed to be over there in the first place. And so we win it, right? So, you know, like, hey, can we have our shit back? <laughs> right. <laughs> like, we about- didn't take the weed in the, we, we didn't take the weed in the equipment. They said, boy, we smoked that. We been smoked that, but we smoked that. So they told them they didn't take the equipment or they didn't take the weed. They left the doors open. Somebody must have took it. That's foul. You know what I'm saying? So you already know what it is. Police, you know what I'm saying, sold our weed. He definitely sold it. And they got some paper. So they got to stress me out all day. We do a lot of shit, you know what I'm saying, just to be up and running. That's crazy. I feel you. That's a fact. Yeah, I want to tap in on me personally being like a designer, me being an artist and a painter and stuff i've noticed that you have some interest in like the fine arts and stuff um would you consider yourself a collector do you collect art or are you just more like a you know casual you know just fan or like now, just enjoy I, it? I actually collected now um i actually collected now uh i was dating this girl when i was in denver like around like 2015 we was actually in new york i had never been to a exhibit i never thought about going to see no art i don't even think at the time I knew one artist, and I didn't know him because of his art. I knew him because I was a Tupac fan. And he, used to, he used to speak about him, Vincent Van Gogh. He used to speak about mm-hmm. him all the time. So that's the only reason I knew about him, really. And I knew about Basquiat and stuff like that. But to be honest, I didn't know like anything in depth about Basquiat at all. I just knew he was a black painter. He that's was lit. Up. That's all I knew. <laughs> Do you, uh, um... I couldn't tell you a Basquiat. I couldn't tell you a Basquiat piece if I seen one. Word. Um, I, you, but you I was speak... dating her, and then... Uh, Huh? Go ahead. I was going to ask you about Basquiat because I, 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 I'm I a big fan of the Basquiat movie that came out. I wanted to know if you've ever seen it. It came out like in the late 90s. Yeah. If, you, if you've if you never yeah, see, got, seen it, you've I seen like it. it but, okay. Yeah, but what I like, the, the best thing on Basquiat that I've seen that I like was The Radiant Child. That okay. shit is fire. Yeah, that shit is fire. It's a okay. documentary about I know which one you're talking uh, about. About Basquiat. 
Yeah, but um, yeah, so I was dating her, and then she was into like kind of like into art. She wasn't collecting, but she knew about art, so she was talking about art a lot. And then uh, we had a mutual friend, uh, my homeboy Rocky, that worked for uh, for Nike at the time, and he was big into art. So he invited us to the opening of uh, the Whitney. Okay. In um, in New York, so that's when it, that was first opening. So around that time, the new location they got. Um, that was opening, so he invited me, you know what I'm saying? And then when we got off the elevator, the first thing I seen was this Barbara Kruger shit. And I, I didn't know who she was at the time. And I'm like, man, that shit, like, I can't think about it right now, but, like, that shit remind me of something. He like, oh, yeah, that's where uh, Supreme got their logo from, like, kind of um, uh, based off, like, a Barbara wow. Kruger and shit. So, you know what I'm saying? I took that, so I went and started looking at that Barbara Kruger, and I seen, like, Lichtenstein's and, like, like okay. people I can relate to because that legend style shit look like Dick Tracy, you know what I'm saying? So yeah. I'm like, you know, I grew up watching Dick Tracy, so I see like certain shit that I like and I apply it to art. So after that, I kind of started diving into it. And I had I was living out in the LA in the off season at the time. So I was uh, doing this company with this uh with this other uh, lady that I knew and the lawyer that was putting like the paperwork together, he was like I was just in his office and he was just like, man. I want to introduce you to somebody. I had never met this lawyer before or nothing. And he like, I want to introduce you to somebody because the vibe I'm getting from you, like, y'all be good friends. I'm like, mm-hmm. ooh, he's like this guy named Wes Lane. So I'm like, ooh, that? what do you do? He's like, he's a painter. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So uh, he invited me to go to his studio. So I went to his studio, and me and him end up hitting it off right away. Like, we became mm-hmm. instant friends that day. So we start hanging out all the time. Like, he invited me over. Get, ask me my opinions on his work and shit like that. So he ended up gifting me a piece. I ended up buying nice. a piece from him, a couple pieces. And then he started introducing me to other guys, like, you know what I'm saying, like Danny Fox, you know what I'm saying, other uh, artists. And then that's kind of how I got into it. Those were my first pieces of art, and I started collecting from there. That's nice. what's up. I think a lot of people really sleep on, like, when you talk about, like, money appreciating value and stuff, artwork, man, a lot yeah, of people oh, sleep yeah. on that. That's a one of the yeah, nah, hidden assets. Fact, yeah, like... Mm. Yeah, that's definitely some of the best tangible assets you can have. And then it's like, like that shit is hard. It's hard. It's a hard market. You know what I'm saying? Like outside of like street artists, like cars and like guys who kind of like broke that barrier. It's like kind of hard to get into art. So when I first started trying to like get art, like I'm like looking it up in like these different galleries. I'm emailing them. They not sending me the shit back. You know what I'm saying? So they not, they really not fucking with, you know what I'm saying? Like people just like trying to come in and just buy art. You gotta like build like relationships over time, like years. Yeah, sure. Like they don't want, like they really don't want motherfuckers in that shit. You know what I'm saying? Damn, that's so, like, they I know how they go. Responsive. I know how they go. Like, you know, I just kept like being persistent, popping up. Like I started going to the actual galleries, like going mm-hmm. to the galleries. Like they, they not emailing me back. I'm popping up. You know what I'm saying? Then going to these different art fairs, the outside of art fair shit, the um, the shit that's on um on the West Side Highway that was the Armory and all that. So I just started mm-hmm. popping up to different like art fairs, popping up to different galleries. And then uh, it's crazy. This is one gallery um, in Chelsea, and they didn't want to sell me art for the longest. Like I'll email these dudes like two, three years. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Then the first time they responded, they like, "Well, wh- which artists do you collect?" And at that time, I had like <laughs> Wait, two, what? three artists, and I told them they they didn't respond. They're like, man, wasting our time. Yeah, it's crazy. Man. I get, I bought art from that gallery now. Like you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. I start popping up to the galleries. Like man, listen. Like, it's happening. Yeah. It's it's crazy that you say yeah. that because you can you can have the bread like like on deck like in your hand. You can crazy. walk up in Christie's with the bread and they still not fucking with you That's just wild. because. Yeah, just because yeah. It's, it's crazy. Yeah, it's just like the way they especially like I look all crazy. I don't comb my hair. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I got tattoos. They probably thinking like, what is this guy even want? 
But that's the crazy thing. It's like you just say, "Oh yeah, you looking crazy. You don't comb your hair." What the fuck was Basquiat yeah, looking like? Still a lover of the that's arts. So that's like, how Basquiat was. Yeah. Like. But um, that, which, it was crazy. They, I mean, like people like loved him then, but like people didn't really love him, love him until after he died. Oh, that's mm-hmm. a fact for sure. That, that shit is crazy. Like, yeah. and definitely before we get out of here, Will, we got a couple minutes left. I want to ask you, what is the last three albums or songs you've downloaded this week? Damn, the last three. I downloaded so much music in the last week because I was sleeping on shit like that I didn't get originally. But okay, uh, that butcher. For sure. Mm-hmm. Look, that's just fine. This guy, it's crazy. I'm late. I'm late to the train. Like I was fucking with him on the features, but I'm late to the train. Though. I just tapped into Al Camino. Like, I just downloaded his okay. last, the mm-hmm. last one he dropped this year. Right. Okay. Uh, this young kid, Stereo Gotti. Uh, I don't Wait. know if you heard of him. He got Where you from? Never heard of him. I don't. I don't know if he's from LA. I think he might be from LA somewhere, but his name Stereo Gotti. He like you know, what I'm saying kind of like the young, right young generation. We gonna tap in. He got, sure. tap in. Got called, uh, he got a song called Hannah Montana. I think. Uh, what's, is that what it's called? Let me see real quick. Tap that, that, that in. Tap, gold, tap that in real quick, Frank. You can tap that in real quick, Frank. You can tap that in real quick. Stir Gotti. It's on. It's on YouTube. Yeah, the song called Hannah Montana. Yeah. It's called Hannah Montana. Yeah, exactly. yeah, that's that's a single. But I just downloaded this whole little mixtape. But the uh, that's that that Hannah Montana. That shit go hard. Um, and then I think the last shit I downloaded was the um, four four. 441 20, uh, 27. It's, uh, it's these artists out of Detroit. Uh, WB Nutty and Los and uh, Samuel Shabazz. That shit kind of fire. I don't know if y'all listen to Detroit rap. We got to tell. Oh, this, I think you're playing it right now. This third guy. White bus, no joke, no car, bro. Pull up, stick poke. Okay. Damn, got it. You the coders. DM. Screenshot, hoes, bugs, Hulk Hogan, exotic cough, she choking, chrome heart, tap in. fuck a little, get focused. <laughs> right. I bet. We gonna tap in, Definitely Frank. We gonna, we gonna tap in. in. You know what's crazy? I feel yeah. like mad people are fucking with the Detroit rap right now. Like, mm-hmm. I feel like, I feel like that's man, definitely- Detroit got some, man, Michigan in a whole got some fire rappers, but Detroit definitely got some fire rappers right now. Um, the GT- it's Sada okay. Baby from you know, everybody, everybody know like Big Sean, and, you know what I'm saying, guys right. like that, yeah. but like GT, uh, Babyface Ray, Peasy, you know what I'm saying, uh, WB, Nutty and Lowe's, uh, VZ, like, you know what I'm saying, they got some they got some hot hot artists right now. Though. Right. I love I love Detroit rap, but I'm a, I'm a Midwest guy to the heart, so I don't know if I'm biased, you know what I'm saying, because I love Chicago rappers too, I love rappers where I'm from, uh, but yeah, I love, I love Detroit rappers, man. Bad. That's what's they, they, they hot right now. Definitely. I was going to say, is Sada Baby from uh, Detroit? Yes, yeah, Sada Baby. Okay, nigga cool. Sada Baby. Got, I think he said, remix with, uh, he said the most craziest shit ever. I think he said, yeah. like, he said, I was fucking on your wife, walking in your house slippers. Like, or taking the shit, playing with your kids. <laughs> I'm like, that's disrespectful. Crazy. Yeah, Very nah, disrespectful. Yeah, that's a fact, man. I think my favorite artist right now that I fuck with heavy out of Detroit is Babyface Ray. Yeah, I got it. Yo, I just want to give a quick shout out to my boy Mundo. He's dropping a track with a visual on December 4th, y'all. This here is a preview. Check it out. Oh, 
And Will, my guy, I want to thank you for tapping in all the way from China. I appreciate you. And like I said before, it's up and it's uh, it's stuck. And we out. Yes, sir. Right, I appreciate you, guys. Off this edible, you so edible. 